This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Friends. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. We've been talking these last few weeks about the paramitas, the perfections. And tonight we reach the perfection of patience. It made me laugh when I saw the list because I've already confessed to you over and over again that I'm in no way qualified to talk about this topic. Uh, Just trying to get my son out of the car today. It almost broke me. So, on that simple level of wanting something to happen more quickly... I have plenty to work on. But, as it turns out, patience in the context of the paramitas is not simply that. It, it might be better to translate it as forbearance. It's endurance. It's how we Face what is. And we have to acknowledge from the beginning that the way that we in this room will understand and practice with this paramita is different from how people did at the time of the Buddha. Because in that time and in that place, People had no real choices about anything. So if you didn't like your job, well, that's too bad. (laughs) If you didn't like your marriage, well, that was an arrangement between families that really had nothing to do with you at all. If the police or the equivalent of the police beat you up, Well, I hope you're okay. Because there's no recourse. In that world, there was nothing that you could do to make those situations better. You couldn't simply say, I refuse to accept that. And so this paramita, this notion of forbearance ran very, very deep. And it still does today in Asia. In Japan, there's a word gaman. You hear it all the time. And the simplest translation would be endure. It's to endure. We lived in Kumamoto, and there were posters up about the school system. And it would list the qualities of a Kumamoto child. And the number one said, Higoko, that's a child in Kumamoto, Higoko ga gaman zuyoi. Gaman is gaman, it's this endurance, and zuyoi comes from tsuyoi, which is strong. That's what we're instilling in our children, they said, is the ability to take it. And so the school system, even today, has exercises that are just about kind of suffering. You know, sitting very still for a very, very long time. This may sound familiar. 
uh, or, or taking on projects that have no real reward at the end. There's a moral value. It's, it's, it's a virtue to be able to deal with your circumstances in a kind of quiet and noble way. But this comes out of a culture where it's only very recent that people started to have choices about much of anything, right? And so if you really can't change your lot in life, then your, your options are to have this quiet nobility about it or to just whine about it your whole life. But in either case, nothing changes. We have a very different circumstance because we can change so much and we can address so much. And culturally, we, when someone says, I refuse to accept that, we clap. Mm-hmm. Even when it's truly beyond your control. You're in a car accident and you hurt your leg and the doctor says, you're going to limp for the rest of your life. And someone says, well, I refuse to accept that. And we say, you know, the hero music starts to play. And we say, well, this person is taking charge. This person is not just taking the story that's being handed to him. He's going to fight this to the end. And occasionally, that works out very, very well. Right? And someone finds that they had been handed a narrow vision and that they can go beyond that vision. And this just confirms everything that we want to believe, which is that we don't have to accept anything from the outside. <laughs> we can fight all the way. <laughs> and that's a very powerful thing. And, and the very first thing that needs to be said as we go into this conversation is that we should be incredibly grateful for that. The worst case scenario would be for someone to read about or hear about forbearance as a virtue and then think, you know, that abusive relationship I'm in, I should take that on as a spiritual practice and find my way to kind of sink into it. If we're inclined to hear that, we're going to hear it anyway. But that, I think, is not what this is about. This is about the serenity prayer. Isn't that what it's called? Right. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Serenity is a little bit of an add-on. I don't think it has to look like serenity. But to accept the things we cannot change, to face them, is incredibly difficult. Again, especially in a world where we are being told We never have to do that. The way I see it, you always have three options. A story that comes to mind, I have a friend, he married a woman who doesn't like to travel. And during the courtship, which was quite long, 
they both managed to be dishonest about this point. He loved to travel and was very excited about a life of travel with this woman. And, and this woman, I think, believed that she was going to become someone who wanted to do that. So he wouldn't really hear her. He heard her hesitation as nervousness, right? And she downplayed his enthusiasm for this. And now they're together. And now he finds that he's married to someone who actually really dislikes the thing that he loves most. What do you do? I'm not here to say what you do. But I think there are three choices from his perspective. She, of course, has her own story in this. From his perspective, he could, because it's 2015, leave her. He could say, this is not what I signed up for. I'm looking for the total package. And my perfect mate wants to do the things that I want to do. See you. Or he can say, no, this is my reality. My reality is that I am married, that I am in a committed relationship with someone, and that it's not ideal within my vision of what that should be. And I'm just going to work with that. And, and, and maybe I will never think that that's wonderful, but I'm going to accept that this is my life. Those are the first two options. But the third option is the most likely option. He stays married and complains about it inside his mind every day for the rest of his life, fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. Say, this cannot be my reality. Right? And pushing her and, and, and poking at the relationship and, and finding this as a a go-to source of resentment, something that he can pull out anytime. And whenever something is wrong, he can say, you don't even like to travel. What kind of person are you? Right? Option C is very popular. As it is in anything. We look at our circumstances and we say, I can change this, I can accept this, or I can just simply not accept this. The perfection of forbearance is to accept it. Accepting something doesn't mean you love it. Right? We use the word embrace a lot in the last decade or so. Embrace this, embrace this, right? It sounds so nice, right? I don't think that if you have cancer, you need to embrace cancer exactly. Right? But I also think that at some point, if you have cancer and you want to really settle into the reality of your life, at some point you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I have cancer. And I have everything that goes with having cancer. And that's real.
That's the hard thing to do. And that's probably as hard today as it was 2,500 years ago in some circumstances. Except that 2,500 years ago, there was a lot of support for it. You would have been surrounded by people saying, hey, no, really, this is what you have. You need to accept that. And today, you may not have anyone in your life who says, it's okay. (laughs) Even if you hate every aspect of this circumstance, it's still okay. And I think we get to play this out a little bit on a very small scale in the way that we practice here. It's not all about the practice. The practice is reflecting something. And and one thing is, you sit down and you face a wall, and that's it. (laughs) Patience in this case doesn't mean that you make it for 30 minutes or you make it for 40 minutes. It's that you, you agree to this. You sit down and you say, this is really what's going on. And in the larger scale within the practice, you start to recognize that this is it. It's the really painful thing about Zen. The shine wears off and then you turn to someone and you say, well, what's ne- what now? And the, and the response is, no, that, this is it. There is, there is no what now. The wall's right there. The wall will always be right there. Right. That's a critical moment. Because again, you always have the option to leave. In the same way that when you're looking at the wall, you have the option to leave. Not just to get up and leave. You have the option in your mind. Right? All you have to do is just move the little little antenna on top of your TV just just a little bit and you can be very entertained you can step away from where you are completely it's no different from getting in your car and driving away and so you exercise this this muscle this muscle that, that in many of us is largely undeveloped of just not moving. Again, not so that you can accept something that you need not accept, but so that when you face a circumstance in which there is no exit, that you know how to be there. Painful though that may be. It's about being honest. Honest about your life. And... uh, It may be funny that we have to choose to do that. 
and that we have to practice doing that. But I think in many cases we do. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.